welcome to Dads with Daughters. In this show, we spotlight dads, resources, and more to help you be the best dad you can be. Welcome back to the Dads with Daughters podcast, where we bring you guests to be active participants in your daughter's lives, raising them to be strong, independent women. Really excited to be able to have you back again this week. As always, you know... We are all on this journey together, this journey of fatherhood, this journey of raising daughters to help them be strong and independent. And it's not always an easy thing, but we work at it. We sometimes succeed, sometimes fail, but that's okay because we're working to try to be the best dads that we can be. I love every week having the opportunity to bring you guests, people that have gone through fatherhood, are still going through fatherhood, are are fathering in different ways, because as I've told you many times, all of us are fathering in different ways, and that's okay. We can father in different ways, but we can learn from each other. And from learning from each other, we can be better fathers in the end. Today, we got another great guest. Tom Sexton is with us, and Tom is a father of six. So we're going to talk about being a father of six. He's got two daughters and four sons, and he's got eight grandkids, four boys and four girls. So we're going to talk about that, too, in that transition. So really excited to be able to talk with him today. Tom, thanks so much for being here today. Thank you. Yeah, this is going to be great. Well, really excited to have you here today. One of the things that I love to do is, first and foremost, I know your da- your daughters are in their 30s, but I'm going to make you think a little bit, and I'm going to turn the clock back in time. I want you to go back to that first moment that you found out that you were going to be a dad to a daughter. What was going through your head? Oh, my God. I'm very nervous about that. I'm a very protective guy, and still am to my daughters. I, you know... I think most guys that are probably listening to this, I mean, your daughters are just, they're your world. I mean, it's, they're the greatest things ever. Boys, you just kind of trust that they're going to be okay. And, you know, but girls, you, you feel like you have to, you got to always be there. And, but I mean, I, I love my daughters to death. And when you said, you know, developing them into strong, independent woman, women, I don't know how much I had to do with it, but boy, they sure are strong and independent. My daughter, Chelsea, is 36. She has four children. She lives in Noblesville, Indiana. Give you a little history about her. She, when she was 21, she moved to Phoenix, Arizona. Nobody there, no friends. She just, I did it when I was her age and that age. And she just thought, you know, I'm going to try it. And she moved down there by herself. She worked in restaurants, very high-end restaurants, and she did very well. Immediately made a lot of friends. She's very social. Um, You know, she gets that from me. I make friends in elevators. But she did a phenomenal job down there. She finished her schooling, got her degree from Arizona State, put herself through Arizona State, and met her future husband there. And they moved back here about eight years ago, back to Indiana, about eight years ago. And she worked at a restaurant again down in Indianapolis. And once she started having kids, she thought, you know, restaurant life is not for a mother. So she went back to school again, got her nursing degree. And now she is a full-time nurse in Noblesville, Indiana. Her husband's a school teacher. So proud of them. I'm, you know, I'm very proud of her. She went through that schooling while having children and raising kids and still working at the restaurant. And I mean, 
I would love to be half as strong as she is. She's just an amazing woman. And I'm so proud of her. I mean, she's phenomenal. And my daughter, Lane, lives here close to me for now, which I'm really not happy about. She is moving December 5th to Hollister, California with her husband. And she's got a job out there. His family's out there. So they're moving out there so he can go to work at Google. And she will be working at a bank in uh, Hollister. So, And she's pregnant right now. And I have not missed the birth of any of my eight grandchildren. So I'm really hoping that this is a planned birth so that I don't miss the ninth because I will fly out there for it. So, But she's a very strong girl, too. My first wife and I had all three of my older kids. My oldest son is 38, and then Chelsea's 36, and Lane is 35. And we got divorced in 1999. So the kids were, I think my son was 15, and my youngest daughter was 11 or 12 when we got divorced. That was a really tough period for my daughters. You know, I didn't move out of town or anything. I was still in the same town, but it was difficult for them with me. You know, I really didn't start dating right away. My ex-wife did. And it was tough. I didn't really have a house. They, I left my wife with the house. And I would have them over as much as I could. And I would take them out to dinner and stuff. But I think they feel like I wasn't there enough when they were, you know, in that very formative age and we have sat down, I've sat down individually with both of them and talked about that, what that was like. And I apologize for any part of failing them that I did. And they've forgiven me and, and they're two of my favorite human beings. And I see them, you know, as much as I, I FaceTime with my daughter in Noblesville literally every day and her kids. And I see my daughter here at least three times a week and see her kids. And so, you know, they had a little bit of a rough go at the beginning, but they're, boy, they sure turned out great. Now, you just talked about the fact that, that you went through some rough times, some yeah. rough times with the divorce and having to find some healing. And not every man is willing to own up and be able to put himself out there and be vulnerable and ask for that forgiveness or ask for the things that will help his that healing to take place. What did you have to do to be able to, to get to that healing point, to get yourself there, but also then to open up and be willing to be vulnerable to your daughters? I was very defensive at first and said, hey, I thought I did all these things. And I think the biggest thing for me was just to put aside what my thoughts were and really listen to them. And I literally, I took them out individually, you know, at different points to, to sit down and really have a discussion about it and to not go at it in a defensive way, but to really listen to how they felt and, you know, how did I fail them at that time? And it was, it was hard to hear, to be honest with you, because they're right. I did. I failed them, especially my youngest daughter. You know, she was really young. She was only 11 when we got divorced, and she had a tough go. And I, I may not have been there all that I should have been, and I really feel bad about that. And, you know, she's forgiven me, and she said, you know, those are the things that made me who I am, and, you know, I'm happy with that. And But it was very difficult to hear because, you know, when you really listen and 
take it all in and take accountability for what you, you know, your failings back then. It broke my heart at first, but you know, we've worked through it. We've talked through it and we're in a really good place. I'm in a really good place with both my daughters right now. Now, as you look back at raising your daughters, I know that sometimes there's, there's some fear that goes into raising daughters. Like you said earlier with boys, you feel like you, you kind of know what to expect. And I've heard that before from other dads, but with girls, it's kind of a new experience and you have to learn as you go. What would you say was your biggest fear in raising daughters? I could never imagine my daughters dating because, you know, obviously I'm a boy, you're a boy. We know where that goes. And that was difficult for me. And, and then, you know, when my daughters would come home sad or, you know, somebody hurt their feelings or whatever, I mean, I was the first one to say, hey, get over, let's go over to his house right now. Let's straighten this out. And it was difficult for me because, I mean, now they're both happily married and have great husbands and obviously they have children. So I've accepted the fact that they've done those things that I never wanted them to do. But it's difficult when they're young and they're emotional and you want to protect them from all that. But the, and again, all that is, is a growing experience. It's them growing up. It is a process of letting them grow up and be able to give them more and more autonomy to be able to be who they are and that giving away or that letting them be who they are is sometimes hard. And I know that as my daughters have gotten older that I've had to do that. And it's hard to be able to step back and let them make those mistakes as they go along and not be there to fix everything. And I'm sure you've had some of those experiences as well. Oh, no question. Oh, absolutely. Especially like when my daughter moved to Arizona by herself. I mean, she had a friend drive down there with her and stay with her for the first week she was there. But I mean, holy camoles, that was really tough for her to be, you know, 1,500 miles away. And if something happens, I can't be there right that this minute to help her. But I think it was a great thing for her, though, because, boy, did, she's a tough one. She's a very strong girl, very independent, and uh, she's a great mother. She's got three girls and a boy, and she does a phenomenal job as a mother. Her kids are amazing. Now, both of you girls, you, you said, have become very independent and very strong, independent women. What do you feel like you did right in helping them to find that path th for themselves? You know, I think I've never been afraid to, you know, again, it's very difficult to let them go and let them do things. And, you know, I was always nervous when they were out. I would always say, you know, text me every couple hours, just let me know where you're at. And I think they knew that I was always there for them if they needed something. I mean, even when we were divorced, even when my, my first wife and I got divorced, but I don't even know if I did it intentionally, but I did let them grow up. And those things that they needed to do and the, the pain that, you know, comes with some of that stuff, they had to do that to, as women to grow up. The emotions obviously are way different than a boy. I mean, you have... You know, even with their friends and stuff when they were little, you know, I kept, I would tell them, hey, 10 years from now, you're not even going to remember this happened when they were, you know, would get bent out of shape about something and were crying and emotional and they learned to deal with stuff. And I think that was huge to, to allow them to do. Today's episode is brought to you by Flowblend. Have you been fighting to break your nicotine addiction? I've talked in the past about the importance of focusing on your own health so that you can be in your child's life as long as you can. 
Flowblend is a company that has created pouches that are made by a father himself to help all dads break the habit of nicotine. Over and over, Flowblend clients talk about breaking the cycle of nicotine after years because of this amazing product, and it could help you too. Quitting nicotine is tough, and it really helps to have a tool that makes it easier. And now you have Flowblend to do just that. Get 20% off your Flowblend order by using the code DADSWITHDAUGHTERS at checkout. Find out more about Flowblend at flowblend.com. Now, as I said at the beginning, you've got eight grandkids, one on the way. You don't know if that's a boy or a girl, but you've got a mix of of boys and girls and grandkids. So you've gone through that transition of going from being the dad to being the granddad and dad. So talk to me about that transition for you and what it means for you now to be a grandfather to granddaughters. Oh, my God. That's a whole new world. You know, I love my kids. I love all my kids. And, you know, I would do anything for any of them. But nobody tells you that when you have grandkids, especially granddaughters, which my two oldest grandchildren are girls, they're both seven. I can honestly say that I need to come up with a word because I don't think love is a strong enough word. I mean, it almost hurts how much I love my grandchildren and especially my granddaughters. I mean, we're making plans right now for Thanksgiving, and I'm going to have six of them at my house. So anyway, my granddaughters, so I've got two seven-year-old granddaughters, a three-year-old granddaughter, and a one-year-old granddaughter. And like I told you before, it's crazy how much, I mean, there's nothing in the world I wouldn't do for those kids. And, you know, like I told you, I think before we started, I have stage four renal cancer right now. And I'm advanced renal cell cancer. And prognosis isn't great, but I told my doctor, I need need to be here. I want to see these kids grow up. I want to dance at my granddaughter's weddings, for crying out loud. And that is the thing that I live for the most, is to to get to see my grandkids grow up. So let's talk a little bit about that, being that you're in a, a fight for your health and as you said, you want to be there for all the things that are coming for your daughters, for your grandkids, and for your sons as well. So how do you reconcile that? How do you reconcile where you are with your health, with the relationships, and how do you work to help your kids, your grandkids to understand what you're going through? So my daughter, with the four kids in Noblesville, with the three girls down there, and my grandson, Thomas, he's awesome. She's a nurse. And so she has talked to them, the older ones, about it. So they know what's going on. My granddaughter, Nellie, she's seven. She has her little iPad and she FaceTimes me every night. And she asks me how I'm doing. And she's always concerned about me. And I love it. I think it's great. I hate being that guy that she's worried about. But I keep assuring her, I said, I'm going to be here a long time. I'm never going to give up because I do want more than anything to watch those kids grow up. They're awesome. I mean, great athletes, great. I mean, my granddaughter, Nellie, she's a cheerleader. She does gymnastics and she's awesome and all of them. And then she's really smart. She gets good marks in school. And my granddaughter, Mila, who's also seven, she, they just moved back from Chicago, so they only live about 20 minutes from me now, which is phenomenal. They, I get to see them a lot. 
And again, she's seven as well. And same thing, very smart. And her mom is a nurse as well. My son's wife is a nurse. So they understand that grandpa's got some stuff going on. I don't know they they accept the depth of it, but they know that I'm sick. And they know when they see me that I might not have the same energy that I used to. But I'm going to do my darndest to be here for them as they grow up because that's the thing that I love most in my life is my kids and my grandkids. And God, I got to be here for that. Well, I appreciate you sharing that because I know it can't be easy. It can't be easy to not only fight for that, for your health, but fight for your family and fight for you to be able to be with your family for the future. And it's probably not easy to talk about too. But I appreciate you sharing that. Yeah, I have. I mean, I know this is the the daddy-daughter thing, but I have a 22-year-old son who's severely autistic. And he's my buddy. I mean, him and I do a lot of stuff together. I mean, I take him out to the store three or four nights a week. And I can't imagine leaving my wife and having her to have to endure that all by herself. So it's going to be something. But just got to get through all this treatment. I did radiation, chemotherapy, and an infusion of immunotherapy in the last two days. So I apologize if I'm a little wiped out, but it's okay. It's a means to an end. So what would you say to other dads that are fighting their own health battles right now as you look forward in trying to do what you can for your family? What would you say to them if they're in in a battle for themselves? A, I don't like stopping. I, when you stop and you think it's it's not good. But if I do stop, you know, because eventually everybody's got to stop and relax for a little while, I think about my grandkids and my daughters and my sons and my family because, I mean, I love them all so much. And, you know, and I think of happy things. And I try to come up with things that we can do together. I'm renting a cabin down in Tennessee next summer for a week that I can get everybody in. There's 20 of us. There's Well, by then there'll be 20 of us. And so I rented this big house down there on the mountains. And, you know, I just want to make memories with them. I mean, it's entirely possible that this isn't going to work out good. In fact, it's more than likely it's not going to work out good. But I want to have them have as many memories of me as they can. And good memories, all good memories. And, you know, that's what's important. Setting that example, being kind and being a loving person. And, you know, those are the important things in life. Not how much money you make, not how much stuff you've got. The important thing is their kids knowing how much you love them and then showing them what what kindness is and what what loving another person is. And and like a, a grandfather to a granddaughter love. Not they see my wife and I have a great relationship and we're very loving and we don't fight. We don't argue. My first wife, that wasn't the case. And I think that I'm not a fighter. I've never been a fighter. I I used to drive my ex-wife crazy because I would just walk away. And I want them to see love. I want them to see what happiness is and kindness and being able to share all those things with my grandkids is so important to me. And my kids, my kids are like that now. I mean, they're very kind people. That's my favorite word. And that's my, if I tell somebody that I think they're kind, that's the greatest compliment that I can give them. And to being kind to others, not just your family, but anybody. And, you know, I see it in my grandkids. I love to see that when, you know, they just walk past somebody and and wave at them. Even my three-year-old granddaughter, Lucy, she's just the 
kindest little girl. And I love seeing that. And for them to know that it's not all about how much stuff you have and how much money you have, but but how much you can share and, and show people, show other people kindness. I mean, those are the things that are important in life. I've done well in my life and, and I work hard. I've always worked hard. I still haven't missed a day of work, you know, since I started this treatment stuff again. And I never missed work the first time I had cancer. I missed two weeks because I had my left kidney removed, but they see that, you know, they know that you can still get by, you can still do things and you can still love each other and you can still, you know, have a great relationship even when you're going through stuff like this. We always finish our interviews with what I like to call our fatherhood five, where I ask you five more questions to delve deeper into you as a dad. Are you ready? Okay. Yeah, shoot. In one word, what is fatherhood? Awesome. When was the time that you finally felt like you succeeded at being a father to a daughter? Walking my daughter down the aisle. Now, if I was to ask your kids, how would they describe you as a dad? I'm always there when they need some. Now, who inspires you to be a better dad? Oh, hands down, my dad. Now, you've given a lot of pieces of advice today, a lot of pieces of wisdom, things that you've learned along the way. As you think about other dads, what's one piece of advice you'd want to leave for every dad? Spend as much quality time with your children, with your daughters, as you can. That's one thing that, again, with the situation I'm in now, that I wish I had done more of. Not just spending time, spending quality time. Well, Tom, I just want to say thank you. Thank you for being here today, for sharing your own journey in fatherhood, for sharing your journey in health, but also your journey in life. And I wish you the best. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Thanks for your time, too. It was great. I love talking about this. My favorite subject. If you've enjoyed today's episode of the Dads with Daughters podcast, we invite you to check out the Fatherhood Insider. The Fatherhood Insider is the essential resource for any dad that wants to be the best dad that he can be. We know that no child comes with an instruction manual, and most dads are figuring it out as they go along. And the Fatherhood Insider is full of resources and information that will up your game on fatherhood. Through our extensive course library, interactive forum, step-by-step roadmaps, and more, you will engage and learn with experts, but more importantly, dads like you. So check it out at fatheringtogether.org. If you are a father of a daughter and have not yet joined the Dads with Daughters Facebook community, there's a link in the notes today. Dads with Daughters is a program of Fathering Together. Find out more at fatheringtogether.org. We look forward to having you back for another great guest next week, all geared to helping you raise strong, empowered daughters and be the best dad that you can be. We're all in the same boat And it's full of tiny screaming passengers We spend the time We give the lessons We make the meals We buy them presents Bring your A-game Cause those kids are growing fast The time goes by just like a dynamite blast Calling astronauts and firemen, carpenters and muscle men Get out and be the world to them Be the best dad you can be Be the best dad you can be